You are listening to the Firecracker Podcast with Tony Rico. Hey everyone, I'm Coach Tony, and we want to kick off uh, part of our Firecracker On Demand segment with kind of an outdoor podcast. We've done some in the studio before, but we've got some, let's call them experienced Firecracker coaches at the table today. So kind of uh, kind of joking around that the requirement for being at this table is that you had to have had the experience of screwing some things up because we want things to be relatable to all you coaches out there. So we imagine right now that for informational purposes that we want to provide a lot of content and a lot of dialogue that will be helpful to you. So I imagine you sitting at home going through a lot of things. You've taken on the team. You've taken on a region you're ambitious but like all other coaches you're experiencing a lot of good things and bad things uh, this is a tough job so at the table with us today I'm going to go around the horn and introduce our coaches with us and then we're going to get right into some dialogue so starting on my right over here on the end we've got coach Mark Thornburg and uh, coach Mark about how many years you got in with this organization uh, going on nine going on nine that's and in dog years that's <laughs> yep. that's just a lot right he's a dog and then if you don't recognize our vice president <laughs> to the right here we got Mr. Sean Brashear and uh Nine, ten, ten, ten. ten years. We got double digits over here. Yes, sir. We'll start on the left over here with Coach Donnie Hagberg. And Donnie, how many uh, years? In the I think this is year hood? eleven, actually. Year eleven. My goodness. Yeah, it's a lot of years. It's a lot. Yeah, Shoot, mm-hmm. that is a lot. And Donnie's a dog too. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and, then, and then we brought in the the rookie, uh, Jason Steiner from Lake Elsinore region in, in in that area. And Jason, how many years you got with us? Uh, with firecrackers going on a uh, fourth year about fourth year so you know really what I wanted to do is again just kind of go through some dialogue and and hopefully it's relatable to you so right now we're at the break of the season we just finished a, a kind of a six-week crunch you know and, and really the year doesn't stop for a lot of people I'd say this is one of the only breaks that we have but hopefully a lot of teams are on a break right now so I want to ask you guys right now what what are your teams doing right now Are you on a break you give them the time off what does it depend on what your team needs so I personally shut my teams down after the uh, Don Battles On tournament until uh, after New Year, let them spend their time with their families. Other than our Christmas party, that's basically the only time we get together. Shut down time for you, rest, right? Yep. Excellent. How about you guys? Same thing. We uh, shut down uh, Thanksgiving. We come back for about three weeks, and then after December 15th, we kind of shut down until... So you got a couple weeks in December you're going to be doing some stuff? Correct. Yeah, we right? try to catch, do these weekends a little bit to recap what we went through. You know, so get them on the dirt, kind of review some of the things that we did well, maybe didn't do so well, spend that time this weekend, uh, do something kind of collective on the on the 8th to where we bring our San Diego teams in and we do like a day together with age groups, uh, specific age groups, 16s, 18s, 14s, that they work together. And then the 15th we do our Christmas party. So as part of this to review some of the things that your teams might have experienced in competition Correct. so that they can go over some, some debriefing. And then obviously December, we want it to be not as intensive a month, so they're going to also enjoy themselves. And yeah. the, hard, the hard part of you know the recruiting period is, is the corrective play stuff, right? We, we get in gameplay, and, and you're there for those reasons of showcasing, and then maybe something goes down. And you have to review it, you know, first and third, a back pick, you know, whatever it may be situationally that that didn't happen to go so well, but you don't have as much time to kind of go over it. So just some you know, situational stuff that we can review, um, talk about it, good, bad or indifferent and try to be better and better prepared for the next time. So nothing, nothing too intense. No, nothing intense. It's very it's right. more it's like walkthrough stuff. We don't know? have a lot of opportunities to really I mean, you have to pick and choose wisely when you're going to practice when you're going to go over things and you know obviously we're competing a lot so Jason what about you <laughs> we're going uh 15 hours a week I'm just kidding I've been waiting to say Hardcore. that <laughs> yeah no just kidding no same thing um Dawn battles on 
is is the wrap up for us for the most part. We'll so probably do um, yeah yeah we'll throw um we'll probably throw in a, a December uh, TC uh, toy drive tournament or so. But right now it's just time to work, get back, see some things that uh, that we were weak on, and uh, pick it up, tighten it up. I think the advice I give a lot of coaches out there is to really gauge your team. What do they need? You know, if, if uh, you're in an area of the country where weather's affected you, you haven't played nonstop and you're just trying to get field time, there's a lot of indoor places, facilities, different things like that, you know, really, really gauge your team. But would you guys agree? I mean, right now, if your team is tired, your the arms are sore a little bit, this is the last break. So especially here on the West Coast, this is the last break that the kids will get, that your players will get. Because once they come back in January, and now high school for us on the West Coast, and I know there's, there's a couple states that play fall high school ball, but for the most part, high school is picking up pretty early. So out here in, in the West, high school's picking up in January, right? Yep. So they're, they're starting early. So our players really don't get a chance to rest. And think of it this way, like what are the body parts that, that pay the biggest price in our sports? And I, I think we're going to start with shoulders, right? Just kind of that throwing mechanism. So if we were to think about how many throws our players are actually making in a fall season, you know, between warm-ups, practice, game time, and stuff like that, that rest time right now is extremely valuable. If you've got players with, you know, nagging injuries, uh, backs, legs, shoulders, anything, this is their last opportunity to rest. If that mentality of you know being ambitious or work-minded, and and people don't like to take a time, they don't like to take time off. So they feel like three weeks of doing nothing is like they got to go out there and they got to do something. But now you're picking up that ball and you're throwing again, and you're not allowing the shoulder to rest, you're not allowing the ankle to rest, the knee, and now you get right back into stuff in January, and now we go hardcore all the way through well summertime, and if you're a senior going to college, but then all the way through next next fall. I mean, there are really not many times to to slow down. I found it that. For me personally, uh, over the last couple of years, giving our girls that, that six-week window to, to spend time with their families, as well as no travel restrictions for them, allowing them to get out there and maybe travel for the, the holidays with their family and not worrying about missing uh, practices and whatnot. When I do get them back in January, they seem to be rejuvenated and excited again to be back out on the field as opposed to you know that grind of all the showcases and such a small window in the fall now it's like a six weeks of just non-stop softball that I myself find myself a little more rejuvenated after that that break and the kids seem to, to have that same uh, same drive as well and, and if I, I almost feel like if I don't give them a break they're not going to get one period because like you said high school season and literally they're finishing high school season right into qualifiers and, and all the summer stuff so it's, it's really whose responsibility is it? You know, like I said, part of the purpose of this is that people can learn from other people's experiences. But you think about it, it's our responsibility to take care of our kids. And so, you know, we've all seen at our in our experiences the burnout. You know, the the kids later on in the in their or in their career that they're burning out too soon. So, really, don't feel bad. Take advantage of the time that you have off and encourage things. If we don't take the responsibility of being leaders, and inform ourselves so that we can guide our families then your families are just going to go out there and they're going to do what the the advice that they got from somebody else and everyone's just kind of all over the place with the advice but in the end who's really got a good experience and you know that's something that i again i'm always pushing for families and coaches what is your experience you know i think if you work hard enough you, your head can hit the pillow at night you can not be frustrated all the time not be so divisive not always just arguing with people i mean there, there's i'll just say it there's crap in our jobs there's crap in softball but really the, the trick of this is, is to wash it off as quick as possible, 
and not talk about it, not talk about how it stinks and look at the crap on your shoe, but to really kind of move forward with it. And so um, emotional wellness for coaches, for parents, for players, I mean, this is a critical time, you know, for, you know, right now at the end of fall season, you think about how many coaches are, have taken the beat down. So it's, it's the kind of mentally worn down. And so what, what are some of the common things? What are the common areas of breakdown? You know, Sean and I, we talk a lot about working on the front end of things, like trying to stay on the front end of things so that we're not just doing damage control and working with things after the fact. And we encourage people to ask questions, reach out. And again, we want to provide information, but let's go to a couple areas where, uh, you know, ten things can tend to be frustrating or, or kind of break down for certain coaches. So let's talk a little bit about budgeting. Bingo. So budgeting, something that's easy for most teams. I mean, Sean, you're overseeing a lot of teams now. You're helping guide a lot of teams. So, you know, what, what's the, what are some of the most common mistakes when budgeting becomes a problem? And we were talking earlier in the day about how many teams right now are saying, man, I'm, I'm, I'm overdrawn or I'm, I'm under budget, right? Or, or over budget. Or, I think just some, you know, simple things of in, you know, being prepared for, you know, the things that are out there. So, for example, a, a grocery store has a price point on items, and it's not just based upon what it costs to make that item. It's based upon theft, insurance, employee wages. You know, everything has to be factored into a true cost. And I think a lot of times coaches, you know, just because we're all well, they're well-intended, so they look at something, the tournament's 650 bucks, and you know, uh, you know, field costs is this, and they'll put out a budget, and they don't factor into what is the entirety of, of an operation, which is two families may not uh, be as able to consistently pay on time. Um, certain events are going to need payment in advance, possibly as much as 12 months in advance. Um, there may be some travel expenditures, some hotel expenditures that you may need for coaches who are within your program that, that are non uh parents that are on your staff that you mean to so there's so much to factor in and you know so getting good advice talking to people speaking with people who have experience with it because that's really what it comes down to a lot of the guys just under budget because they feel as if it's the best way to keep uh, a roster right to impress someone or, or gain, dues or, or, or gain or gain or player right because all oh, my my dues are less than someone else's right um but at the end of the day, I, I will promise you, it typically only comes back to bite you in the butt because you're going to be the person, the coach, who's got that hook on your credit card or out of your pocketbook and having done it and learned from my experiences of being the guy at the end of the year saying, how did I lose money? Right. And, and then, oh, wait a minute, this is why. And I had to pay for that and I had to do this. So, um, again, kind of getting the right guidance, factoring into your budget all the factors because there's, again, the hidden cost. You know, that's why a loaf of bread is what it is. It's not just because the bread costs that much to make. Right. It's all the all the things, including theft. Sure. So uh, meaning that, you know, again, on our, on our roster, it's 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 you need to be prepared for the family. That's that's probably going to leave your roster at some point in time. And it's happened to all of us. That's not going to have paid full full payment into what they owe. Um, and there's, so there's a cost of doing business. And correct. part of what I'm hearing you say is also. Don't just prepare for the number that you see in front of you. Start to guess past that number. So Correct. whether it's a percentage or it's a certain dollar amount to go. So if you see the event, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the first time I saw a coach take uh, four players out to lunch and, you know, they all bought a, uh, brought a $10 bill. So this was back in the, uh, in the 90s mm -hmm. and they got $8.99 chicken nuggets and they all gave them a 10 spot. And so in the, in the end, the guy's paying $40 out of his pocket because they didn't include drink tax and tip right. and so because they looked at the menu price of what they got and they just put in that much and in the end the guy ends up taking money out of his pocket i go well, how can you pay it? well they're good kids 
right? And so that guy, so to all of the coaches that relate to this that are 500, 1,000, $3,000 out of their, your family account to cover the family that can't afford it, you know, lost their job, somebody's sick or something like that. But the, there's a cost of doing business to softball. And if you, if you look comparatively, softball to club volleyball to club soccer, you know, we're not on the high end of things. But to empathize with the families, look how many families have that disposable income, that extra income to provide. I mean, most families are, are month to month right now. And so every little financial, you know, cost of doing business in softball, you know, tips their scale a little bit because they're, they're trying to provide the best opportunities for their kids. And so part of this information for, is also for them that there is a cost to doing business. And to pick up what something that Sean said is that part of your, you have to be able to recruit players to your team. But if part of that is to say something that's going to sound good to a family, the cheaper dues, you know, or, or, or we're in this tournament and this, this, this pool in this tournament, this or that. I mean, what do you guys think about that? I mean, that, that works, but isn't that kind of short term? Yeah, but I think at the same time, <clears throat> and in a nutshell, what Sean said, you got to, it's, as a coach anyways, uh, looking at that prospective player, you got to be realistic. And you got to be realistic with yourself. You got to be realistic with startup dues. You got to be realistic with with what it is otherwise because most people have no idea how much head coaches put into their teams programs teams whatever it be tons most tons. head coaches know and care because we all kind of do it ourselves but it's not that the parents need to care Cor about how much correct. you're putting in. Cor right. correct yeah. correct correct but you got to be realistic and at the same time be um be very transparent as well ins and outs you know i mean here's where the money's going here's where it's not going for the most part and um and be transparent with it and like you said, a lot of us try to keep our dues as low as possible in comparison to soccer and volleyball and some of these others. I mean, my God, they're through the roof. So. And to other, compared to other teams, right? And, and other teams. Mm -hmm. it, it, yeah, franchises as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so be realistic, be transparent, and and be real on your startups. What uniforms cost? They cost us what they cost us. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts around that. You know, So we got to pay got to pay what we're paying. So if it's a $500 startup, it may sting to have to tell your family, hey, it's a $500 startup, but you're going to get three uniforms, you're going to get two dry fit jerseys and first month's dues or whatever. And that's all example, by the way. Uh, you got to be realistic. But, but make sure that's a good point. So because whatever you do tell them, so be careful on that because whatever you do tell them, they have a reasonable expectation. Correct. So because there's always that, hey, they, somebody goes to another team, then I get those emails on, hey, we were promised this. So c create all your terms. I mean, transparency. I know, Donnie, you've, you've had some good experience now in the last couple of years and, and run a much more transparent business. You know, Jason just said something. You have to document your ins and outs. I mean, it can be, you know, it can be a very simple process. But the last thing you want is for someone to have a suspicion. And I will say this again, I'll go on record as saying this, you know, very few, if any, you know, coaches are malicious and have malicious intent. But mismanaging money happens all the time. Somebody that's well-intended in running a, a team, but then go back to, hey, I wasn't prepared for this. Or, uh, Donnie, you were mentioning earlier about, you know, robbing Paul to pay Peter and that how that kind of syndrome kind of happens. And that's very common in coaching. But if you think about it, you know, it's it's the expenses that are incurred with a team and all of a sudden you're not prepared for it and that's where it throws everything off. So the yearly budget itself, right? I mean, there used to be a day where 25,000 would get you through and I'm talking a long time ago. But now don't freak out when you realize that your yearly budget, your operating budget for your team can be upwards of what, 45 grand? 
50 grand, 55 grand, depending on what you want to do. And we want to be able to break this down in other segments and kind of get into it a little a bit more travel detail. can dictate, obviously, if it's going to be more, but 50. For a, for an elite 16, 18 team to play in a lot of the, the events that they're going to want to play in and participate in, you're probably at 50 to 60. Now, if that freaks you out, you're probably a little less experienced, right? You haven't looked at it in a whole block. But if you look at that as a whole block, divide that up into 12 months, Right, because the support, uh, support sustains itself through 12 months um, and be able to break that down per family. And now let's say that within your, whatever your target area for your dues are, 200 bucks a month, 175, whatever it is, now I still have $20,000 that I need to raise for this team that we need to raise outside of what we're gonna go on team team uh, uh, dues and things like that. So before I get into supplementing with fundraisers and what you guys have experienced with good fundraisers and gen generating money, uh, Donnie, you have a really good concept that you work with your team and that's you collect first and last month? I do. I, <coughs> excuse me. At the start of the year, I, I know my sometimes my uh, startup fees may seem a little little over the top as some, with some people and you know I work with them, but um, I, I try to collect uh, September and August dues up front. Um, what that allows me to do is, like Sean said, there's there's tournaments that want their money 12 months in advance. And when I'm getting emails that, you know, hey, we need that Colorado uh, Colorado money, you know, by the end of the month, uh, and I haven't even had my first parent meeting yet, um, the way for me to kind of generate that, that quick revenue is to do that. And it allows me to uh, be able to pay for those tournaments right up front and... I don't have to worry in August because, you know, we do pay our bills through the organization 12 months a year. And if those, you know, there's certain families that might be planning their escape route at the end of the year, whatever the case may be, I don't have to go run and trying to follow them or coming with that money out of my own pocket in order to pay those dues. It's already been taken care of. And it's, it's explained up front what, you know, exactly what everything's going for. And uh, I seem to have been successful in doing that and the the parents tend to understand why why it is that I'm doing that I know personally uh, I think it was twelve thousand dollars is what uh, tournament fees I had to come up with this fall uh, right out of the gate so between the that six-week window we discussed earlier plus the summer plus the summer, plus summer it was yeah. it was twelve thousand dollars in tournament fees and that's a lot when you're you know we haven't even done a fundraiser yet right so. Right. So that really offsets cost. And you brought up a point earlier. I mean, that really helps because the reality is chasing money is part of what we do. Right. So chasing money because sometimes it's not there. But you brought up a very good point, And that is you mentioned earlier, but a lot of times by summertime, maybe the roles have been defined on the team. Maybe a particular family's just not as into it as they were as they were before. You had said earlier, like planning an escape route. Mm -hmm. And let's just be honest, not everybody feels like paying at the end when they've got three more weeks in, right. you know, for the season. And they, they've already, and we understand that people communicate. So even if you do this ethically, it's not like you're waiting to the end of your team season before you pick up the phone and make a phone call to see if somebody needs a shortstop or a pitcher or something like that, right? And that's probably just like why when you go to rent an apartment, they ask for last first month, and last, first right? and last, because there's like, oh, we don't want this guy at the 11th month knowing he's moving. And he just disappears, and now we got to track him down and find that last, you know, twelve hundred bucks or whatever your rent is. So, um, you know, I think I'm going to implement what Donnie's done, honestly, going into the next season because we've had over the years, um, you know, some escape artists 
<laughs> I, I thought about doing that too a couple of years ago with that first and last month. I'm glad to see that it's working for you because I'm implement that too. Yeah, it's so a good thing. It's, it's, it's a good thing. So, and I think for all, all the right reasons. And then just make sure that again, whatever your understandings are, you know, uh, that that dues collected by the team for operating costs cover the, the team costs so that you don't end up getting a phone call from somebody that left in May that paid for their July dues and they want that back. So all your terms have to be set ahead of time. And the one thing we I try to do when we have our early meetings is so families because you know and it's not their fault it's kind of just the, the mindset right we all have you know I have my personal budget for my household and for my family and I have two daughters and all those type of things and you know so for their perspective they're looking at it as to their monthly right and and that's appreciated and respected but within our team concept if we have you know 15 players and five families are behind right that one family is thinking of their one situation rightfully and justifiably so but in the bigger picture of 15 families right and five are not that now you're adding into maybe 12 to 1300 dollars that are not in in regards to the funding and you know we don't make it public we don't discuss other people's personal situations with other families but there's a lot of times where that could be the case and so now we're not just chasing that one family's 225 dollars where we could be in four to five families and with events and future events and again they're going to be hounding us for the payments that's when it can be really big. So I make sure early to let them all know that, you know, understand that, you know, when we when send statements, you know, we send statements every single month to keep people up, uh, updated on their, where they're at, but that there's a bigger picture within it. And so as long as they communicate with us, we try to work with them, of course. But a lot of times, again, they're thinking in their one situation and it could it can be a four or five family situation, which really affects Right. you know, a program. And here's a coach responsible for the whole team. Correct. Now you've got your 11 paying families and they really don't want to hear that your team doesn't have enough for the next qualifier because now the classic coach asks to borrow money from the one of the remaining 11 families and then here I get the email that following December that the coach <laughs> never paid that family back because now that family is on another team and yada, yada, yada. But you, those of you out there know exactly what I'm talking about because this has happened to you over and over and over. And again, and that's where, again, you, 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 Create one hole. You take money out of this. Put that in there. Stay ahead of the game. So, so plan accordingly. Overestimate your your yearly budget. Be transparent in what you're doing because that's very very important. And be clear with your terms. I mean, that's extremely important that you're clear with your terms because again, if you have created any type of verbal or written contract and somebody is not whole, you know, after they put money into something and there was an expectation upon them, then they have a right to come back to me and dispute it, and then if it's a civil court case or something like that. All right, so moving on now to fundraising. So now you've got, okay, we can we can collect uh, 35, 40 grand in dues. All right, we need another 15, 20 in, in fundraising for the team. So what have been your best fundraisers? What have been your most most effective fundraisers that you guys have ran for your team? My lottery one's been my go-to one for a few years now. So just, what is that? He just buys lottery tickets and hopes they win. <laughs> you, take, you take the team dues and you start, you start scratching. It takes a tournament money. <laughs> um, now basically what i do is uh, i have every family bring in uh 15 to 20 uh scratchers uh one dollar scratchers and uh at, at once the entire group's brought in those scratchers generally uh one of the moms on the team kind of puts together a first place second place third place uh gift basket so to speak with you know 100 scratchers for first place 50 and 25 and then i get a roll of raffle tickets and I give each each player fifty uh, raffle tickets, and they sell those raffle tickets for five bucks a piece um, to their neighbors, friends, family, and and generally what I've seen is most people are going to buy two or four, 
Um, so, you know, you're getting 10 to 20 bucks every person you're selling one to. And I, I try to give them these and say, hey, we got a month to do this before we're going to do the drawing. So I don't put that pressure on them to try to sell them in, you know, a week or something. And I've never not had somebody sell them all. Uh, it's kind of a, basically what you're doing is you're getting $250 per player on your team is, is profit to the team. And, uh, you know, you got a roster of 16, 18 players, you're going to make a, a, a good little chunk Chucking of Chucking three, four grand. Yeah, two, three, three, four grand, grand in, in a, in, with really no, no legwork or anything on the, uh, on the fundraiser itself. So lottery ticket baskets. And those from, are donated by the families. Students. Yeah. The each, each family is required to bring generally 15 to 20 scratchers. Right. And then like, if I come up when I've got 260 scratchers or whatever, then we'll take some team funds that are already in the bank account and and we'll buy a twenty dollar ticket to make this gift basket look really good sure. to even it out to like you know so we've got first second third place or whatever the case is and it they they go pretty good that's cool to offer three too instead of just one big and I, and i try to i try to do that twice a year um usually once in the fall and once in the uh in the start of the summertime and usually that gets me through uh what we need depending on you know where we're planning on yeah. going in the summer anybody else uh, we have poker fundraising. That so used to, we Texas Hold'em? Texas Hold'em. Uh -huh. um, one four, night event? One night event. Five, five tickets a kid, 40 bucks, about 200 bucks a kid. Probably end up making three to 4000 Three to 4000 Yep, off of that. And I know, you know, some people between whether it's, uh, you know, uh, food items, silent auctions, there's so many different things to kind of supplement things, but, you know, you can, you can really start to... You know, you you want to know what's a what's a two to four thousand dollar fundraiser? What could be a four to six thousand dollar fundraiser? You know, how many of these do I need to do? Because remember, there's a certain number that you're trying to trying to reach. What would you say are the are the highest uh, profit margin fundraisers that you guys have experienced or been part of? You know, whether you've run them or not, what do you think out there? I don't know they've been pretty good with poker tournaments, and those can be as small or big as you want them to be. Uh, what, what's your experience? That they could be be as much as what? Um, I, I, well, as much as I think on the poker tournament, we we were like forty five hundred. But I try to get a little. I don't, know, I don't like. I don't like to have to do. It. It's the same thing. Five five tickets a kid. You know, fifty bucks um, a buy-in, twenty dollar rebuy is kind of a thing. We have the Elsinore Casino host ours, but I try to find sponsors too. Try to kill the work off the off the girls having to do that footwork kind of a kind of a thing. And and five hundred one c three truly allows um, the write-off for a sponsor. So we look for the sponsors first get go. I do so. Thanks to Vans and Blenders uh, sunglasses. Have <laughs> <laughs> to plug that them right boy. there real quick. Boy, they All right, appreciate listening. that. And back when we had the bus, that was nice because we actually could offer them advertising uh, as well. But but um, they get a lot for that, and, and they get the right off. So how difficult was that process? Getting your five hundred one c three not as difficult uh, as about as no difficult as a lot of people it's think, not right? Difficult at all. No, it, it, it costs a little bit of money. It costs a couple thousand bucks um, to do it the right way. You got to incorporate, um, but realistically, legal zoom would be the best. That's the way we it's went through it. To. You know, legal zoom, pay what they want to pay, and they'll give them the information they need, and they get a nice big packet in the mail with your five hundred one c three. Good to go. And it's a justifiable cause. And what does it allow? It allows people to, to donate and, and contribute and, and have a tax write off. On exactly. That, on that note, exactly. I, I found that to be a huge fundraiser is telling every family, you know, hey, let's let's try to get some sponsor letters sent out. You never and, know who's And I dentist, myself send them out. You, know, yeah. you can randomly get, you know, checks in the mail 500, 100, 250, whatever the case may be. I know we put it for our website different tiers if, if they donate you know if you get a same thing uh, now do that does all the money go to your team or do you give it to the player well, it goes to the team it goes to the so team. if i'm and this is because i just like to be this guy 
So if one family has $5,000 raised and five other families didn't raise any money, you split that equally? Because it's team money? I'm just asking. I'm not saying you're wrong. For me, it's it's, it's team account, but everyone's on the level. They know they... they, they Because, see, I've done them many different ways, and I did that. And maybe just because I can be, you know, mean or something, but when I do the, the... any individual fundraising. Oh, you're talking about like the sponsor letters? Yeah, like sponsor letters. Because I, I just, it's hard for me because I always like to hold people accountable to give, you know, $3,000 to families that aren't efforting while this family made all those efforts. So that that's the only reason I'm saying it just to, again, because I we did that in the past and I, we'd, we'd have five, six families who wouldn't do anything. You know, four to five families that hit the bare minimum and then two to three superstars, right? And so then I'm sitting there thinking, man, if I'm that guy that's a superstar working my butt off, you know, justifiably how unfair is it, right, to them? So, you know, for me, I always tell anyone, if you raise anything separately, that's your money. If you're going to make those efforts, if you're going to make that level of commitment to betterment, to, to provide things for your daughter, then I'm all for what you're doing for your daughter. And if you want to donate any of that money to our team, then that's your right. And then at that point, we can take those funds and disperse them how you want to have them dispersed. But I'm going to reward the family and the kid for doing the work. And I'm not going to reward those that are not. So let's maybe take that to the coach, maybe soliciting a business or someone that knows. But that again, those terms have to be very, very clear because in principle, that's a very, very good point, right? But then also, you're utilizing our nonprofit number for your own personal benefit. <laughs> so to just turn that right back around on you also is kind of using the system a little bit. So how again, it's, well, we always, don't have that, a it's always that that win win that win win, you know, situation, right. because I think that's, that's really important. I mean, we have, we have a foundation that if if I get a call that um, and this is related, let's say you have a player on your team that has an uncle that owns a furniture store and he wants to personally sponsor that. So we have a foundation that money comes in to help those hardship families. And so that money turns around, right around and goes right to that family. That's, so, where, that's, where, that's where our offset is, is for those, those particular families. That, you know, obviously, in other team, team functions and dues or entry fees and all that stuff as well, team money, but primarily for but let's go back to you know the the, the nonprofit status I think is, is a very important one to have and I think you gain a lot of advantages and you never know when all of a sudden somebody gives you a phone call I'd rather you be in a situation where you can receive the benefit of somebody's donation than to be in a situation where someone wants to donate you're like oh no I don't have any status and then you're calling people and do not lend out your numbers so that was very common practice in in uh, softball before is like hey well we're just going to use your nonprofit number because it's almost like a, a credit card number or something like that so it's it, you know, look at it as you're extending your own tax ID, like you're extending that to somebody else. And so their actions you're responsible for. So we definitely recommend like get your own number rather than ask to borrow somebody's. And I really have been asked that as much in the last year or so. But when we first started this expansion, I was asked that all the time if there was an over uh, an umbrella number that everyone could use. And uh, no, definitely it's worth the investment. Well, to get your is, own. So Absolutely. on that, you can you got to be careful if, if you're not aware of what kind of status you have, because there's different levels of that nonprofit of what you're allowed to bring in as far as tax purposes go. And, you know, it may be 50000 or 75000 whatever the case may be. And you've got to be careful you're not going over those. So if you're lending it out to three people and, you know, just trying to help them out or whatever, now all of a sudden you're putting yourself into a different tax bracket. It's just, it's... Right, right. My, yeah. tax, my tax lady told me just keep it to yourself keep and for clean. your team. Right. And... Get, get some, get some good advice there. Okay, we'll go one more topic. Uh, this is so when we come back from uh, the winter break, 
you know, teams will have a little time to practice. They're obviously January, we're still playing and things like that. But running a practice, running an efficient practice, I mean, that's something that often I'm, 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 a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a stickler for precision and practice stuff. So I get bored real fast, you know, and I think there's a lot of what I call kind of traditional methods, some things. But I think a lot of coaches could use help on, on what makes a good, efficient practice. Because this kind of goes into, hey, you know, you're, you're inviting a player out to experience something, you know, you're trying to get a player to your team, uh, you're trying to keep your team, you know, entertained. That, uh, driving home that response that I talk about a lot of when your players get in the car, you know, their first response is, that was great and I want to do it again. So what are some of your, your tips and some guidance you give other coaches on running a good, efficient practice? What tips do you have? Knowing that not everyone can hit a fungo, not everyone say, can throw BP. Right. right because because realistically think about who the majority of our coaches are so what tips do you have for all these people that take the responsibility to be able to run a good efficient practice i think the main thing would be structure structure having a goal for what the day is going to benefit right so whether it's you know drill oriented defensive oriented whether it's situational base running picks first and third signs you know there's you could just making sure that you have a goal for what at the end of the day when that practice is over that you accomplish what your goal was and i think that that always helps so yeah structure yeah. goal and that you requires know, some thought ahead of time correct don't fly by the seat of your pants and show up and pull up in your truck and tell everybody what they're doing right at the last second you better be really really good at what you're doing and and there are some coaches are very experienced that can do that but it's the worst thing to do preparation is key because if you think first of all what Sean mentioned about what it is that you want to accomplish, what you want to get. Hey, maybe I just want them to feel good, right? right? I want to. So we're going to bring some music out. We're going to do this. You know, we're going to. You know, it kind of sounds funny coming from the baseball background. I never would have uh, understood the power of a cupcake. You know, in a girls' softball practice or something like that. But you know, having an idea of what you want to do and then prepare it. So prepare a simple practice plan because when people know what they're going to do, it's much easier for them to follow, right? Because that that is key, you know. Um, Absolutely. Especially with your assistant coaches, if you're not letting them aware, you know, making them aware, even if it's 10 or 15 minutes before practice that the, you guys meet or on the, the phone the night before, whatever the case may be, but they're not standing around waiting to hear what you're saying. They already know what the plan is, and, and it's a more fluid fluid uh, practice than, than everybody standing around, okay, what are we doing next? What are we doing next? And I think with that is knowing your strengths and, strength out, and weaknesses of right. the guys, right? So yeah. we know what Mark can do really well, so we allow Mark to do those type of things. And, you know, Doug brings something that he always likes to play. So it's making sure that the right guys are doing the right things, so that way the girls are getting the best of each coach, because every coach has a strength, you know, that they can be provided to the players. Don't have the guy who can't front toss, front toss. <laughs> don't have the guy who can't hit a fungo hit fungo you know so a bad fungo hitter is a kiss of death uh, a bad bp you know the other thing for us for me i always like that we you know we try to celebrate like the the accomplishments of of a drill right so as we as we finish up our throwing drill the girls all come together we celebrate the accomplishment of the fin of the finality of the drill because we're practicing to be a champion we're practicing to celebrate victories so even if it's the smallest victory in a in a drill and it's just freaking short hops right we finish celebrate it boom 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 and so they get in the mindset of loving one another building your team camaraderie and being a champion so that way when you get in game situations and you're playing to have that goal of winning your mindset that. and your practice habits have built that for you to be a champion you're pretty good. Oh, that was that's good. pretty good stuff. <laughs> that was excellent. Absolutely. Good job. And you know well, what? Also, la lastly on that is, is I've, I've noticed as far as when you send out your schedule to your families, you know, practices from 
10 to 1. Don't feel that you have to make practice last until 1 if you've gotten everything you want accomplished, you know, by 12.30. Burn them out after you know, that. And, and my, I, my emails always say approx whatever time. Yeah. I always stretch because it. Because if we're good, we're done at 12.30. I always if stretch we're not, it. we're done at 1.30. 1.30, <laughs> I know. Yeah, if you finish that, at 11.30 <laughs> and you wrote down 12, everybody's happy. But if you say you're going to end at 12 and you go till 12.30... Then you got parents that are upset because they drove there to pick their kid up and they're waiting around for half an hour. So I always make that. it a little bit. Well, longer. no, we, we we've had to deal with certain yeah. times no, with yeah. that. Honestly, <laughs> this year, you know, and and that's why you know for me, I put a prox. I do on purpose, yeah. a prox, because that way it gives me that you know that 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 window of like, hey, you know what, we're gonna. And there's times where I may have to look at the crowd and say, hey, we're gonna go 15 minutes more because this isn't finishing the way we wanted it. So I apologize, but we're gonna go 15 minutes more. You know, and, and give it to them. But uh, usually we try to be done and, or, you know, any, try to finish 15 to 20 ahead of time if we're doing the things in the efficient manner that we hope we do. And the good part of that is not 15 minutes of suicides. No. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't because they piss you off while practice, don't, don't finish it with the old old days of let's, let's run them, run them. Or, or these five or six hour practices from so, the old days. So, so here's, and there's keys to pulling stuff off like that, but here's some keys of the don'ts, all right? Do not make practice your uh your venting sessions so if you're that when you're that type of coach that you we, you know as men we get frustrated i'm going to make it gender specific i guess you know it can happen with all coaches but especially men get frustrated when things aren't happening right and mistakes are being made so now three repetitions into it you stop the drill and there you are talking to them for 10 minutes so you know to continuously interrupt the practice interrupt the practice i don't mind teaching moments teaching moments are very very good Te teach the moment boom capture the moment move on that's fine you can you can have a hundred teaching moments but the frustration moments stay away from those and the other one is one person hitting and nine people shagging that is the worst possible scenario you can when I walk up to a field and I see a group of eight hitters all right a group of nine hitters at the plate and the other nine out there in the field standing around I just want to shoot myself that's the last thing that I want to you something better hold me down so you know if that's all you know please write us send us a text something and we'll give you more structured and we're going to feed more in the on-demand platform of, of practice structure and different things like that but you know we like to think about what we want to do uh you know where we want to go but those are just a couple of don'ts don't do that stuff because that is the kiss of death and it's just it's just so traditional for so many people but there's more out there all right we're going to finish up with some um not just kind of fun stuff just kind of kind of personal information stuff and get your opinions on some different things. So these are kind of fun podcast questions that we ask in our podcast. There right, you go, Mark. Oh, man. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> we won't repeat any of these. Sean had some good ones last time that we... Uh, actually, we might repeat some of these, so it's good. So anyways, all right. Uh, easy first one. I get this from John, and this is always a good one to kind of shoot out for. Best movie of all time. What's your number one movie? What comes to your mind? And my God, you guys just go blank. Are we going to start? Is, are yeah. we going around the table? Doesn't here? matter who or Mark, Mark. going around the table. You know what? I I like. I enjoyed Avatar. I enjoyed Avatar. Well, for me, it's Die Hard. Uh, I, 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 was, I didn't know how I was responding to. I, I was getting excited. I, I wanted. Was, to, I know. I, I didn't. It was all dead silence. <laughs> I love like, Avatar. We're talking so fast. all the Avatar goes. fans yeah. out there, I know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I kind of. Yeah. Hey. yeah. Okay. Are you I digested that one. Okay. We're good. Okay. Okay. And then Die Hard. Die Hard. Yeah. But that's your Bruce, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. I love Bruce Willis. So. All Bruce Willis movies? Um, well, no, there's been some bad ones. Okay. But, um, you know, Die Hard is, I think, for, for especially, I don't know, guys our age, you know, it's kind of like that prototypical everyman, you know, hero. How we many wanna, Die Hards you know, were there? Too many. 
Um, the well, last one was bad. I put it up against mine's Rocky, and I don't know. I think we had five, six. I don't know how many. Yeah, well, Rocky, Creed's counting into those now too, right? Into so, that, right? Um, but you know, the original Die Hard. Original, original Die, Hard. Die Hard. Got it. Rocky for me. Point Break. Oh, good one. Yeah, not the remake. No, the yeah. original. That chase scene was epic. Excellent. I'm not an action guy, I'm a comedy guy, so I'm, I'm going with the three amigos. There you oh, go. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Shoot. I'm not, I'm not. Sorry. We've had them here. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. So we're, we're kind of on a retreat right now, right? So when you guys get home from a trip, what's the first thing you do when you get home and keep it clean? Hmm. A bad habit for me, I turn the TV on. And I know that's not necessarily probably the good thing to say, but if I walk into a hotel room, first thing I do, grab the remote, turn on the TV. Right. Get home, turn on the TV. Right to Sports Center. Right to Sports Center. I've noticed yep. that here. Yep. All right. TV. Yep. So I walk in, I uh, straight to the washer and dryer, throw my clothes to the side, and go to straight Shut to the up, fridge. Shut up, Mark. Straight, <laughs> to, the fridge. straight <laughs> to the fridge. <laughs> hey, do you want me to lie? <laughs> no, I don't. Okay. Straight to the fridge. I go to the, I go to the treadmill. I go to the treadmill. As soon as I drop the clothes, I go I to the treadmill. You put say. more clothes on before you go to the <laughs> yeah. fridge, right? I thought he was going to say he was going to do the laundry, and that's why I was telling him to shut up. Because no, I well, thought the, he was, the clothing from the weekend, you know. because. How about you, Jay? Workbench and uh, and then the fridge. Wow. <laughs> hey. All right, workbench yeah. then fridge. Donnie, I usually I'm sports center right away unless unless the kids are home and they want to talk about how it was or whatever. I can talk to them about what we did or what I can let them know we did, whatever the case may be. But I like to talk about it, you know, especially when we had a good time, which I always seemed to have up here. So, um, but I'm. I'm a big guy on watching that TV and watching that sports. And I just enjoy walking in the house. I enjoy being home again. I don't care if it's the, the cat, just seeing the cat again or whatever. But but I won't touch. You guys unpack right away? No. It'll take me a while We're to straight, unpack. Straight to the garage for the clothes. You unpack right away, don't you? Uh, I'm, I might dump it out of the bag. No. Is that it? Is that right. considered okay. a pack? I know you walked in here with stuff on hangers, so I figured oh, yeah. you're, pretty, you're pretty good. Here's an easy one for you guys. What's your favorite kind of sandwich? Oh, shit. You want to go with me first? Yeah, let's go with you. Yeah, you're the meat Pulled guy. pork baby. Pulled pork baby. Hey, sitting in there right There you go. There, we got some in on the, on the countertop right. in there. I love it. Pulled pork. What's the trick to a good pulled pork sandwich? Fire from Steiner's Barbecue. Oh, boom. 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 And that's boom. Hey, you wow, sell t-shirts? You got t shirts You got it in there. Oh, hey. All right. Edit. Edit. All right. Uh. Favorite sandwich? I don't know if I no, necessarily have a favorite sandwich. I like a, a oh, good man. meatball sandwich, to be honest with you. I like a good All right, meatball good meatball sandwich. Okay. I like a Philly cheesesteak yeah, sandwich. Philly che have you ever had a Philly cheesesteak from Philly? No. No. I'm Those not. ones from La Puente are good, though. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Hey, I tried. I tried to. I tried to go in the IE somewhere and find them, but no. You can. You can find one. Pastrami. All right. Pickles, mustard. I don't know if this, this does a sloppy joke qualify as a sandwich. It absolutely yeah. does. Yes, it does. How come they don't sell sloppy joes more places? Anybody remember the Bell Beefer? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. What Taco Bell Bell's only bun ever, ever, huh? Are you, are you kidding me? God, bring back the Bell Beefer, please, somebody. All right. Um, most embarrassing childhood moment. This would be the last one, and we're going to wrap it up. So think of I don't know. Do you have a, a moment on the ball field? Uh, anything at school? Ball in front of your face and your neighbors, in front of your neighbors. Uh, uh shoot. Uh, what? Let's, let's go. Uh, Who's got one? Maybe four or five years old. Superman was out. 
So I locked myself in the bathroom, stood on top of the sink, wrapped a towel around my neck, and jumped out the window <laughs> like him. Did you fly? I, I, yeah. <laughs> out to the other side of the wall. Right to the ground. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I still have the scar to this day. Oh, wow. From it. So we got childhood. Was that stupid? Man that was Superman well. That was fun at the moment, but stupid after. All right. <laughs> so. We gotta, we gotta... <laughs> I'm ready to have mine. Right hey, now. shout out Superman. We, I'm ready to have mine right you now. My most you embarrassing you're, moment. You're uh -oh. gonna stay here in the podcast, and we're gonna we're we're, we're gonna wrap this up. Donnie, what What's do you got? Uh, hey, get there. I, I'll be honest. Mine is pretty pretty vivid to this day. Uh, I think I was about 12, 11 years old, and went to answer the door after taking a shower or something. Somebody knocked on the door, and my little brother, being a little brother. Thought it would be funny to push me outside and grab my towel at the same time. <laughs> and it's the middle of the afternoon in the summertime, and I'm buck naked right on the front porch. And it was, he did not open that door for a while, and I had to hop a fence. How old were you, 17? In the backyard. Oh. Yeah, 22. <laughs> <laughs> had to hop the fence uh, without clothes on, which is the brick fences are not fun to hop when you got no clothes on. Just remember that. How about uh, any embarrassing coaching moment, Chud? Oh yeah, um, probably too many to to remember. Um, <laughs> what is getting drilled with a with a foul ball rank? Yeah, that one. Ball. Well, yeah, Donna um, put me into uh, you know I had a, a staph infection because they got infected on my my shin. Anyone who didn't see it was pretty nasty. Uh, that that one hurt. I think another one was um, you know getting mad at an umpire going back a long time ago when he was an, an, an older gentleman, I, I think I really scared him. <laughs> and I think I, and I felt really bad afterwards because he was older. It was 10 U, it was way back in the day. And uh, you know, I was, you know, I was out of line. And I think I just felt bad like seeing him like leave the field, like kind of as if I had done something. So I, I tried to find him to apologize. I don't know if he ever came back. <laughs> did, you give, did you give a talking to yourself? Yeah, I, I felt bad, I did. All right. Well, listen. I can hear Jason's bladders like mm -hmm. tying. I was going to say, can thing. we make this go five so, minutes longer? We so, can really see it. I, I, we can embarrass uh, Listen. Um, hopefully, our coaches out there and anybody listening, hopefully, you got some information. Listen to some of this stuff. Everything we try to make it relatable to you. So again, we're here to help. So help you provide a better softball experience for yourself and your family. So uh, hopefully, thanks for listening and stay tuned. We've got more great stuff coming. So thanks again. Go, Chase, go. Go, Chase, go. Go, go, go. go.